With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley right from the logo. Welcome into the DNBR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we got to hear from Larry Scott today. Um, that that happens a few times a year. Uh, there's usually it's like in person, and it's a big deal. You know, like there'll be one at the Pac-12 basketball tournament, men's basketball tournament before the championship. There's like the Pac-12 football media day. I think basketball media day too. Um, but before the Pac-12 football championship, which is what this was, the difference is now that obviously it's over Zoom, um, and so even people who aren't out there at the event get the chance to ask questions, which is a, a cool feature. Um, but point is, today was one of the lucky days where we got to hear from Larry Scott. Um, if you guys were uh, listening in, had the the were blessed with the gift of the ability to hear from Larry Scott today. You may have noticed some long-winded answers that he really did have a lot to say. And uh, I have a little conspiracy theory here to, to kick things off. Let's start with this idea and the idea that maybe there was a time limit on how long this could go. You know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. Um, and if you were somebody who really didn't want to ask a lot or to have a lot of questions asked of you, one way to go about doing that would be to uh, to just really talk for a long time whenever you're asked a question. Um, that way you avoid whatever question could have been next. And typically in, in these situations, that doesn't really work because, you know, there, there aren't a whole lot of tough questions. You know, once you get to question number four, all the really tough questions are probably out of the way. Um, Larry Scott has had kind of a tough run of it recently. 
Um, and by recently, you know, I, I could say in the, the last 48 hours, last month, the last football season, I mean, really whatever time period you want to look at, the, there, there have been some tough questions that have flared up that Larry Scott could have been asked. Um, you know, he's in that rare position where I think that for as long as he wanted to sit at that podium, more tough questions could have been asked for him. Like question 11 would have been a toughie. 13, maybe 15 is when you start getting into the, I don't even know, what's going on with the Pac-12 networks? You know, is that where somebody asked? So so what's up there? You know, what what's what's the end game? What, what do we see happening? Is the Pac-12 networks going to be a thing in a year or two? Is it time to just call it? You know, so... I do think that because he was in the rare situation where there were probably hours of tough questions he could have been asked, just answering the the few that he was asked in three, four, five-minute answers was probably the way to go about it. Um, again, it's a conspiracy theory. Maybe he just had a lot of thoughts. But, uh, yeah, that that's it's a theory that came to mind. Um, before we get into what he had to say, and I, today's going to be a big Pac-12 day. We're going to go through the, the Pac-12 press conference um, with Larry Scott, some of my thoughts on some of the things he said, um, spin it to a little bit of a Colorado perspective because he did talk about CU a little bit. Um, and then then we're going to lighten up by talking about the uh, Pac-12 championship game that's going to be played tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, in terms of Buffs news, there really isn't much. Um, they, they, they won't play a game this week in, in football. If, if that counts as news to you, then there is some news. Um, Grant Gannell, the quarterback from Arizona who is playing well this season, he's in the transfer portal. Um, Washington, uh, the Washington basketball team that's going to play Colorado on Sunday. Um, they lost to my Montana Grizzlies last night, and that was a fun one to watch. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's, that's about it that's going on. Um, before we get into this press conference, though, let's talk about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, they do really great work. They're family owned. They're huge Colorado sports fans. Um, the reviews are great. There are a bunch of DMVR members who have made the switch over to Green Mountain Dental to be like their primary dentist. Um, and, and they're trying to help get you in the door um, by giving you this awesome offer, uh, which is that if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam from Green Mountain Dental Group, you will get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, it's a great deal. Take advantage of it. Conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. Uh, and yeah, they do great work. Okay, so Larry Scott. Um it didn't go great for him. It didn't go great. Um, let's start at the top here. Um, he, he talked about a bunch of different things during his opening statement. It was a, it was, it was a long one. Um, he said a lot about how the season was kind of a success um, in a lot of different ways. You know, they, they did the over 120,000, I think, uh, COVID tests and had a positivity rate of 1.2%. Their false positive rate was incredibly low as well. Um, you know, and he did say that the, the goal 
for this season was to be able to tell student athletes and tell their families that they were going to be safer playing sports this fall than sitting out. And he thinks that they accomplished that. Um, and to be honest, I, I think they did too. I think in terms of the coronavirus, they did well. Um, a B grade. And I'm not talking about like structure of things, but just in terms of people getting sick, think they earned a B. You know, the, the number of cancellations was high, but at the same time, you know, one of the things that Larry said was that, you know, Cal had games canceled because of one positive test. Um, and the, the contact tracing was, they were very good. And so, you know what, in terms of just people not getting sick, it's a B plus. We'll say B plus. Um, in terms of how things went overall, I think we'll go a little bit lower there. Um, I got to think through a grade. And while I think through like a a grade, we're going to talk about some of the other stuff he had to say. Um, Like I said, he does expect USC and Oregon to be just good to go. Um, Colorado left without a game. And he actually talked about Colorado a little bit. Well, he was asked about Colorado. um, And he said uh, that... He he has a lot of empathy for Colorado. That's the line that's been getting the most play. Um, you know, we mentioned the, what's gone on. They had this week's game canceled. They've had two games canceled already. Um, they had a tough go of it. Um, but he has a lot of empathy. Um, my favorite question that got asked today was uh, basically this. It was like, hey, Larry, so do you think that you've done everything that you could have done, you know, with hindsight, you know, just looking back, did you put USC in the best possible situation to qualify for the college football playoff? And Larry said, yeah. The, he, he thinks that they did everything they could to put them in a good situation. I would uh, say that this point, the USC point, are they in the best situation? And the uh, Colorado, you know, with all the tough stuff that happened to them, did they deserve a little bit better? I think you mesh those two things together and come up with the biggest mistake that the Pac-12 made this season. And uh, that that big mistake is that they didn't make USC and Colorado play each other. Um would have been huge for Colorado, obviously. You know, Colorado does have this loss on the schedule. Let's just say that somehow they're fitting uh, another game in. And and today, Thursday, they're playing a game between USC and Colorado. And tomorrow um, is the Pac-12 championship between the winner and uh, Oregon. And obviously that doesn't work great because... Um, you're literally playing a game with no rest, but take that out. We're just, this is a thought exercise. That game would have been huge. Finding a way for Colorado and USC to play each other would have been huge. Um, And even with that loss that Colorado had to Utah, this game would have decided who goes to the Pac-12 championship because if Colorado wins, both teams have one loss and Colorado obviously has the head-to-head tiebreaker, making them the winner of the Pac-12 South. If USC wins, then they win by two games because of everything that's going on, plus a tiebreaker. So that's uh, it would have decided it. Um, then you think of what it would have meant. Obviously, for Colorado, it's a chance to play to get into the Pac-12 championship. For USC, it's a chance to play the, the only other ranked team in this conference. Um, number 13 USC, which I think is too low. 
um, playing number 25 Colorado. And those are college football playoff rankings. Um, the fact that USC didn't play Colorado means that the 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 Pac-12 did not put USC in the best possible situation. I mean, you, that would have been the best win on their resume. Like, to me, honestly, I, I think ASU is just as good of a win. But because of how the season shook out for ASU, you know, right now they're sitting at one and two. Uh, this, for, for, you know, they, they lose a tough one to USC early, and then they sit out for a bunch of weeks, and then they lose a game. Uh, because they haven't had like time to play with each other. Arizona State is much better than a one and two team. But as it stands now, it's not looking like, just in terms of resumes, a very good win. Um so yeah. That that was a big mistake. I mean, you look back at last week, just have Colorado and USC play last week, and you're in a much better situation because USC has a better win under its belt. That probably gets USC into the top ten in my opinion. Um and uh, for Colorado, obviously, it's a chance to play for the Pac-12 title um, or a chance to – It's you're playing for a chance to play in the Pac-12 title, I guess. Uh, so so that's frustrating, um, certainly frustrating. Um, he talked about the uh, his, his possible contract extension. He was asked about it. Like, again, just these old questions that – really aren't the toughest of questions but things like so larry have you started talking to the ceo group about a contract extension and boy does that put him in a tough place um but what he said was we haven't talked about it um his contract by the way ends in 2022 um so he thinks that sometime this year is when or 2021 is when they're going to start talking about that stuff personally i don't think he's going to get offered an extension but who knows what's going to happen? Um, he, he was asked whether the, the Pac-12 has money that it can give to uh, schools that are struggling financially because of everything that's going on. And again, I mean, long-winded answer. And talking about why the schools are having trouble because there are fewer games and that the games that they have are being played without fans and so you're missing revenue in two ways because and and you know that kind of stuff um but at the end of it he, he essentially said yes um we do have some of that we can offer loans um but we haven't figured out what the details are going to be we don't know exactly how much help schools are going to need um but because we are on the verge of making a bunch of money with the media rights we can take out some loans do that kind of stuff um and uh, pay that back with the money that they will be getting, uh, which kind of blends us into this final point that I want to touch on, and that's the media rights. Um, he was asked whether he feels like he's in a good position, and what he said was, I'm absolutely delighted for the Pac-12. Um, so I agree the Pac-12 is in a, a good place. Um, you know, that they'll have all of their football media rights up for, or, or potentially up for sale, um, because I, I, I can't remember, I, th I can't remember if it's a tier one or tier three or what, um, that doesn't expire for, I guess it would, it, would, it must be tier one because tier three is still on Pac-12 networks, except for this year, cause this is a weird year. So I think it's a tier one rights. They're still tied up for next season, I believe is the last season, or maybe there's one more season. Um, 
But then they'll be the first conference ever to have all of the rights available to sell, um, which is which is really huge. And typically, like the SEC just did a deal that changes a bunch of those sorts of things for them. Um, but beforehand, they were kind of strapped because the tier three rights, which is the essentially the worst games in the Pac-12, that would be like Washington State versus Oregon State. Um they had those locked up through 2030 or something like that. And so the Pac-12 is in this interesting place that we've talked about a little bit, but not for a few months, um, where they're on the verge of being able to sell all of their rights, whether that's all to one entity or whether they want to split them up or whatever. That's just a, the, the type of power that a, a conference has not had. And, and keeping that power that was part of the reason why the Pac-12 Networks was started. Um, I... I do think that they expected to be able to be profitable with the Pac-12 network um, and get more out of it than just the ability to sell those rights later on because, you know, tier three rights turns out might have been better just to sell them cheap for whatever time period that ends right now um, to whoever would buy them for anything. And now, now we know. Now we know that the Pac-12 didn't handle that perfectly, probably. They didn't maximize what they had. But... I do agree that the media rights are about to be very valuable. I mean, media rights, as Larry Scott noted, have just consistently gone up for uh, decades at this point, and I don't think that's going to change. And uh, I think that the Pac-12 is in for a big payday here pretty soon. Um, it could be bigger if they had gotten teams to college football playoff and done that sort of thing, but it'll still be big nonetheless and kind of change the landscape. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that was the big stuff. You know, I guess at this point, I might as well give some of my thoughts on some of this. Um, Larry Scott does need to go. I don't think that anybody is really defending him. I think it's just tough right now to uh, want to pay a buyout. You know, it's it's easier just to hold on to him because you've you've had him for this long up until the point where it is time to start negotiating these new TV deals. And you probably just want to bring in a new negotiator at that point. You know, if you had known that this year was going to be as challenging as it has been, maybe you would have made the move beforehand. But it didn't seem like at the time there would have been a lot of things you'd need the commissioner to do. Um, turns out that was wrong. And, yeah, now now you're in this place still. But, yeah, in terms of that, definitely gone. Um, I've talked. I, I, I mentioned that I think USC should be ranked higher. I, I think that Pac-12 schools kind of get dinged twice for being in the Pac-12. I think that there's just like this inherent bias because people know that financially things are not going well for the Pac-12 that gets molded into this football. So, the, so the way it works is if if you don't have a lot of money coming in, you're probably going to have a worse football team, you know, and, and how that works can be up for debate. Um, and it probably depends on the school, but however that impacts you, whether it's in investment in facilities, um, whether it's investments in recruiting investments in technology, whatever it winds up being, you should see a negative impact on the on-field product when you're not making as much money. Now, when you look at a team, like let's just say USC right now, you don't 
knock them again right now because of that. And I think that there is some of that going on. Maybe not so much with USC as there is with teams in the, the middle of the conference. You know, Stanford gets gets knocked, um, which I does I guess does hurt USC. And maybe that's that's how we go about this. You know, USC. Um, when you look at their schedule, you say, "Wow, they beat Arizona State, a, a one and two program as it stands right now. Um, they beat." Arizona, they beat uh, Utah, uh, Washington State, UCLA. And I think that those are the programs that, that kind of get tossed to the side by the national media. They say, oh, UCLA is no good. But then really, if you watch UCLA, they have been good this year. And Buffs fans may not realize because the Buffs did what the Buffs did to them, um, and so there really wasn't much reason to watch them afterward. Um, but UCLA has been good this year. But I think they get knocked because then people are like, well, the Pac-12 sucks, and this is what happens. But if UCLA goes up against an average SEC team, UCLA is competitive in that game. And I don't think it's like one side should be favored that far over the other. You know, Utah, another above-average team, they're probably an average SEC team. You know, and that's really what I see here when you look through all of this. It's just that there is this knock, and I think a lot of it comes from, oh, the Pac-12 sucks, and they suck a lot off the field. They're just missing a little bit of the top-end um, talent in terms of programs. You know, the, if if Ohio State just flipped and went to the Pac-12, the Pac-12 all of a sudden is the second-best conference in the country. You know, and... If if USC goes off and wins a bunch of games next year, then they fill in for USC or for for what Ohio State would be if they moved over. And I don't know. I, I do think that a lot of the off-field Pac-12 stuff has an impact on how Pac-12 programs are viewed, and that's wrong. That's wrong, um, and it's frustrating. I'm glad we had that talk. Um, we're going to talk about this Pac-12 championship, what it means, what to expect, all that kind of stuff. But first, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. They do incredible work. They make incredible beers. The Christmas Ale is very good. The Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale, the Strawberry Sky. There's so many good options. You really can't go wrong. Um, and the best way to drink them is to go out to the farmhouse in Littleton um, because they have outdoor seating and it's a nice environment. They have a t- free tubing hill. Uh, it's three dollars to ice skate if you bring your skates. Six dollars if you're renting skates, um, and it's all socially distanced and safe and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and you get to drink some beers and eat some good food while you're out there. Definitely recommend checking out the farmhouse, especially right now when they're doing a whole bunch of cool things. Also, it feels like just yesterday that Los Angeles was lifting basketball's most coveted prize. Since then, we've introduced a new class of professional basketball players through the draft and seen a few marquee names switch teams. Luckily for us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is here to kick off the 2021 basketball season with a no-brainer for all customers, new and existing. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a plus 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. That's right. All you have to do is bet on any opening night game, and if your team doesn't lose by more than 75 points, you'll double your money. This Saturday, there will be an endless amount of action to get in on, so don't wait. Head to the app now. 
DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR when you sign up to get a plus 75-point spread on opening night for a shot to double your money. That's code DMVR to get a shot at doubling your money on opening night for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Uh, Pac-12 championship. So... If USC wins, they're probably not going to the college football playoff. Um, Larry Scott noted, like, you know, the, 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 the committee will give a bump for winning a, a conference championship. That's one of the key data points, I think is what he said. Um, and so once USC has that on its resume, plus a sixth win, um, and over Oregon, a, a well-known program, they should be in good shape. Um, I, I don't think it's enough to get them in. Um, even if the crazy stuff happens, even if Florida, I guess if Florida beats Bama, that'd be a bad thing. So you probably need Bama to beat Florida. You need Notre Dame to beat Clemson. That way Clemson doesn't get in. And I think you, an Ohio state loss could, I mean, I mean, honestly, it should knock the Buckeyes out. Like you, you shouldn't be able to justify a five and one team that isn't a conference champion being in the college football playoff, who knows what they'd actually do. Um, but if Northwestern wins, if Notre Dame wins, then you start to have the conversations. Um, obviously, USC needs to take care of business as well, and they probably need to win by a lot. I mean, we saw Arizona State win 70-7. to Was it 77, 70-14? I can't remember if they got another touchdown. It, it doesn't need to be that, but, I mean, it – realistically it might need to be 50s to teens maybe 23 at worst um to to get in it it has to be a dominant win um it's frustrating though um to me when i look through this top 25 um just as a pac 12 fan or observer whatever to see what iowa state florida georgia oklahoma all in front of USC, all with two losses this season. You know, the fact that Florida was number six last week and then lost to LSU, LSU getting to, I think, four and five on the season, they have been really bad, and Florida lost to them. Florida only fell from number six to number seven. What are we doing here? Like, what? why, why are we even playing the regular season games if it's already been determined that... Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State are the best teams, and right behind them are whoever else. It's just so dumb. Like, it should be about who's winning games, and to this point, USC hasn't lost a game. Um, and I think that they deserve a, a, a claim. Um, I I don't know. It's, it's just kind of frustrating. What would have been nice, I guess, is if USC would have just played Alabama in September, um, which was the plan, you know, before COVID hit. If that happens, then you know either USC, oh, they hung with Alabama. They they are a, a program that's for real. Oh, they got blown out by Bama. Well, there you go. And to me, you know, you look at the weapons that USC has, and you know they have they have as good of offensive weapons as just about anybody in the country. They're top five, and I don't even think you could make an argument for them being outside of the top five. Their defense could use some work, but they have some really good players. Talanoa Ufanga, 
very disrespected nationally. That is a first-round draft pick. If you get on like the mock draft simulators, they're probably going to tell you he's a sixth or seventh-round pick. To me, that's a first-round draft pick. Um, Elijah Griffin, a very good cornerback. Not a first-round quarterback, but, but good talent. And you have a, at least a couple of these very, very good players to balance things out. If they had Jay Tufele still on that defensive line, if he hadn't opted out of this season, then they'd have another. And then their defense would probably be actually like a, a good defense. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is like USC, the book on them is that they're up and down. Um, that, that they don't play up to their talent. And we've seen that this season, but we've also seen them find ways to pull out wins. And to me, that's what should be rewarded. And if they're 6-0, and and if Ohio State loses and Clemson loses a second time, who knows what happens. But a 7-1 and Texas A&M, I don't know. Like, there's just that SEC bump. Because here's what's outside of the top four right now, by the way. Texas A&M at 7-1. and then you have Iowa State. Um, you have Florida at six and seven. They're both eight and two. Georgia's seven and two. If USC is six and zero with the Pac-12 championship, they should be in front of all three of those teams. Um, Cincinnati is eight and zero at number nine. If if USC is six and zero, I guess Cincinnati I think plays Tulsa this week in the in their conference championship. Um, I think if both teams win, USC should be in front of Cincinnati. Um, Oklahoma. Seven and two, Indiana six and one, then Coastal Carolina at eleven and zero, and that's a tough conversation. But I think right now USC should be in front of Oklahoma and Indiana, um, maybe not even Indiana, but definitely in front of Oklahoma. Indiana should be in front of Oklahoma right now. But if USC wins, then who knows? Maybe they do jump all the way up to number four if Ohio State loses. And maybe you need Notre Dame to give Clemson a second loss and knock them out as well. Um, just frustrating. What I will say is this. If an 8-2 and two Iowa State or an 8-2 and two Florida make it into the college football playoff over a 6-0 and Pac-12 champion USC, I might lose it. I might lose it. Um, in terms of what's going on on the field tomorrow... Um, I, I really do think that USC wins this. Uh, I think that they are very talented and in, in recent weeks have played a little bit more clean football. Um, again, I really like the offense. Uh, I, the Oregon defense will always be a test. It's a test that I think that USC passes. If I were to guess, I'd say this is a pretty high-scoring game. Um, if USC wants to make it into the college football playoff, then it better be only high scoring on one side though. And I think that's going to be the real challenge is stopping Oregon. Not because Oregon has this great offense, like they can be stopped and they have been stopped. And Tyler Shuck, he struggled at points this season. The running game is typically good, but sometimes it has disappeared as well. Um, so it, it's not, I'm not saying that it's impossible to stop them. I think that if Oregon played Colorado, oh, I, th- I think Colorado wins. 23 17 or maybe 20 to 17 20 to 13 something like that um usc i think usc wins 38 to 27 that's got to be 38 to 10 or 49 to 23 you know something like that if they're going to move on as well so 
to me, this passing game is is going to be able to beat up on that secondary that that is still solid, but not what it needs to be. I have questions about whether USC is going to be able to run the ball. Um, Vive Malapai, the running back, is a really good running back, but that's a tough front seven from from Oregon, and I, I think it's going to be a battle. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, again in the trenches, I think is going to be a battle. Um, I could go either way. I'm not sure what the running game for Oregon is going to look like. Um, toss up. And then the passing game, also a toss up. USC needs to win this big. And I'm not sure what the feeling is from bus fans, whether you'd rather see like Oregon win because you want, you don't want USC to be happy or something, or you want USC to win because it's what's best for the PAC 12. I'm not really sure, but as somebody who is just kind of rooting for the Pac-12, I want to see USC blow out Oregon, and I think it's going to happen too. Uh, if you guys haven't seen much of USC, seriously, these receivers are top three in the country. Um, Drake London has been incredible. Um, Amonra St. Brown is the big name, and he's been good. Uh, Tyler Vaughns has been good as well. Um, even the running back can catch balls. Um, the, the tight end has been good. So I... I I guess that's all my thoughts. Um, we'll talk some more buff stuff tomorrow. We'll talk more of these other games that we're going to see. Um, maybe talk some hoops, too, before Colorado starts its season. Um, well, it's a weird thing. Um, they play Washington. It's their first conference opponent. It doesn't count as a conference game, though, because it's in a tournament. Um, but I have some thoughts on how to beat them. And it's not going to be tough. Honestly, I can tell them to you right now floaters and pump fakes on the three-point line so there you go um that's the keys to winning that game but maybe we'll get into more detail tomorrow uh that's gonna do it for today um and i will uh, see you guys all tomorrow i think they like my colorado sway because when i'm in it play i don't really i don't really know just how to act and when i'm in it go you know i'm acting bad holly get a bus with my colorado sway my colorado sway Patiently awaiting When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd do the wave Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle
survival. Get them thugs, get them boss, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a boss with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway.